even if we don't realize it, to God. Okay, welcome to all you listeners out there in Real Presence Radio Land to Real Presence Live this October 2nd. It's not the feast of any particular saint, so we'll just call it the vigil of the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. How's that, Doreen? Well, that's not really appropriate because the vigil starts in the evening. Oh, okay, well. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, the day jail then. The day before. Yeah, the day jail. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm Jack Canelli, and my wife, Doreen, uh, we are your hosts for this morning, and uh, we're happy to have you with us. And uh, I know that uh, there's a a lot of you out there that always look forward to Doreen's jokes, and so we're going to just kick off with one of those right off the bat to just kind of get things going on a lighter note. <laughs> kind of. Sorry, Sorry Jack. Okay. <clears throat> All right, here's the first one. Why is it so easy to play a practical joke on leaves in the autumn? Um, because uh, the, they're... I don't know. Because they fall for anything. Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's why I chose it. Yeah, Aaron's smiling, at least, in the uh, control room. <laughs> no, he's shaking room there. his head. Yeah, he's shaking. Well, okay, well, he's a youngster. They have no sense of humor. <laughs> right. Okay, well, uh, let's let's start out with a prayer. And, Doreen, you've got, um, you've got one picked out for us, so we'll let you lead the prayer for us. Yes, our prayer is um, the collect of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, who manifests your almighty power, Above all, by pardoning and showing mercy, bestow, we pray, your grace abundantly upon us and make those hastening to attain your promises heirs to the treasures of heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're happy to have with us for this uh, first half hour, uh, Jem Sullivan from Washington, D.C., who's written a book called Sacred Art, Every Catholic Should Know. And before we actually get talking to Jem, I want our listeners to know that uh, we have one here in the studio that's a giveaway for the first person who calls the studio at 877-795-0122. So uh, be the first to get on the phone. It's a very beautiful book. It's a... It's a it's a great coffee table book, and uh, it's got some beautiful art in it. We had a chance to take a look at it uh, before the show this morning, and uh, it kind of reminded me of all the humanities books that I had when I was in college. But anyway, Jem. It would also be a great prayer table book. That too. Jem, mm-hmm. we're happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, Jack and Doreen, for the invitation. I'm delighted to be with you. And uh, thank you again for having me. Sir, why don't you, uh, we're going to let you introduce yourself. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe, you know, kind of give us a little uh, introduction to the book as well. Sure. Um, So I'm Jen Sullivan. I am an associate professor in the School of Theology and Religious Studies here at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. And we are, um, we have um, uh, various programs here of, theological formation, but the one that I teach in is in the area of catechesis and evangelization. Uh, So we have a Master of Catechesis, um, both online and in person, uh, with a focus on catechesis and evangelization. I, um, most of my teaching and my writing and speaking is on the area of how the arts 
uh, have been a, a, a big part of the church's evangelizing mission for over 2,000 years. Uh, and so this book really is kind of very much part of what I have uh, been reading and researching and, and talking about for some time, which is um, the book is really kind of a, uh, an invitation to the reader to go on a pilgrimage of beauty uh, through these 50 masterpieces of sacred art from the Catholic tradition that the Church really has offered to the world, um, not only in terms of its, their beauty of these masterpieces of sacred art, but also as a way to reflect on, to contemplate the gifts of faith, the mysteries of faith that are expressed in these paintings. Uh, so the life of Christ, the life of the Blessed Mother, Mary, uh, the lives of the saints, who are the saints are God's masterpieces, aren't they? Because they perfectly reflect something of the love of God into our world. And so the lives of the saints, the biblical figures and stories of the Bible that enable us to see ourselves as part of the ongoing history of salvation, that God is living and active in the world, and um, Scripture continues in our own time. Uh, And so all of these works of art reflect these various aspects of our Catholic faith, and that's what it's about. Jim, I'm uh, I'm just wondering, with all the beautiful works of sacred art that are available to us, especially in our modern age, how did you go about selecting the works that you chose for your book? You, you know, that's a great question, Doreen, and that was the, the hardest part of writing this book, <laughs> uh, pulling together this book, uh, was to actually select the 50 pages, because there's definitely more than 50 paintings you can imagine uh, in uh, all of these, um, in, in, the, in the Christian tradition over 2,000 years. Um, I had excellent editors at 10 books, so I would really thank them for guiding me in terms of how we selected it. But there were two things that came to mind in terms of how we selected. First, they had to be really masterpieces of sacred art that were familiar to people. So, for example, The Last Supper um, and, um, you know, the, the, these, uh, um, the Supper and the Mayor the Pieta, uh, the Descent of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, um, these, these, the Calling of St. Matthew, these are well-known uh, paintings, masterpieces, so we wanted to get uh, a sampling of those well-known, familiar works. But then the second one was that we wanted to have paintings that could really help the reader to enter more deeply into the mysteries of the faith. Um, you know, the Catechism says that beauty is the visible form of truth and goodness. And in all of us, there's this, this, this search for, this desire for truth, what is truth, and for goodness. How do I live a good life? Um, and, and beauty is the visible form of that truth and goodness that the Church gives to us. So all of these paintings were selected with that in mind. How does this, how does this particular work of sacred art help us to enter more deeply into a truth through the way of beauty, through truth and goodness? Now, this is a little off script, and you don't have to answer the question, but I, um, I'm an educator, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could um, give an example in, in your, your, your teaching, uh, you're preparing people to be catechists, it sounds like. Yes. Um, so how would, if you have, a, you have a, a group of, let's say, 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. How would you use a work of art in their catechetical formation? 
And you know, that's an excellent question, and I can tell you're an educator, Doreen, because that's, that's a teacher's question, so I love it. Um, so he, I actually wrote a book uh, from Austin Day Visitor called The Beauty of Faith, um, and in that book I talk about how to actually a teacher, a catechist, somebody who's actually, you know, engaging with young people would be able to take a, a painting, a, a work of art, a sculpture, stained glass windows, and use it as a form of, of, of catechesis and instruction. And basically what I do in that book is I adapt the ancient monastic practice of Lexio Divina, which is a prayerful reading of sacred scripture. And I adapt that in looking at appreciating a work of art. So you begin with just kind of first reading Lexio, which is to just look at the painting. What are the main, uh, what's the story being told? What's the, who are the figures in the foreground, in the background. Then you move from Lexio to uh, to Meditatio. Like, so now I know what's in the painting, but now what does that mean? What does that mean that the Archangel Gabriel and Mary are placed beside Adam and Eve? What does that actually mean? So you look into the meaning of the painting. And then from the meaning, you go from meditating on its meaning to prayer. What is this calling me to do in terms of my relationship with God? So you move from lexial reading to meditation, from meditation to prayer. And then finally, to contemplation, which is simply resting in the mystery of faith that is presented in the painting. So that's kind of like a, a basic lesson plan, if you will, to answer. I hope that answers your mm-hmm. question, but um, a kind of a basic lesson plan is to move the, the, the student from seeing to contemplation, and from contemplation to adoration and worship and prayer. So that's always the movement, because that's the whole point of these masterpieces of sacred art. They weren't just they're, uh, created to decorate the walls of the cathedrals and the churches and the chapels to make them look beautiful. They, in fact, did that. But the whole point was to make them uh, really enter into the mysteries of faith. Right, like a window into... Exactly. Yes. Well, no, the, and they were windows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now the book uh, also includes historical notes and spiritual reflections on the works that are in there. And uh, what were some of the most interesting things you learned from your research? And also, you know, were there some common themes among those various works? Yeah, I think the common theme is simply that these the, the mysteries of our faith uh, are are not just something that happened. 2,000 years ago in Scripture, in the life of Jesus, in the life of Mary, the lives of the saints, through history, but they're meant to invite us into a transformation of our life in the light of these mysteries of faith. And that's something that really came through for me as I was reading and, and working with these works of art, reflecting on them, and attempting to offer them to the reader through these reflections, uh, is that all of these great mysteries of our Catholic faith are invitations to participate in the great work of God that continues even today in our time. It, it, it seems that the exercise of Lexio Divina with the work of art that you just described would um, would be an incredible experience um, that would make that... Um, that would make that uh, truth that what happened 2,000 years ago and beyond was meant for us by, you know, that active 
engagement with that work of art. Exactly, exactly, Doreen. Uh, is that it's, uh, you know, Lexia Divina is to help us enter into the sacred word of God, the mm-hmm. scriptures, by adapting it for a painting or a work of art. Uh, it's to help us to, again, uh, enter more deeply into the meaning of these uh, of these mysteries being uh, visualized, uh, but to see ourselves as participants in God's great work of His salvation, mm-hmm. which continues in the Church in the here and now. Um, so, you know, you, you think, I, I'll just give you an example from the magnificent Gothic cathedrals of the Middle Ages that people still go to visit. You know, now people um, love to go on pilgrimage to these places. Or even those who don't believe uh, just go because of the beauty of these these beautiful uh, Gothic cathedrals. Uh, we do not know the names of those who built these cathedrals of the 12th and 13th century. They didn't sign their names on the walls of the cathedral like artists in the Renaissance would do. Um but what we do know is that very quickly these cathedrals became catechisms in stone and stained glass. Why? Because when the faithful gathered to pray there, they were surrounded by the beauty of faith all around them in the sculpture, in the architecture, in the in the stained glass windows, in the sacred music that they heard. So the building, the Gothic cathedral, was not only just um, you know, a functional building that happened to have some really nice arts and architecture. Uh, it was a sacred space that was itself telling the story of salvation. And, and the it, pilgrims who came to pray there could read what they could not read in the pages of Scripture because they were mostly illiterate, or they could read on the walls of the cathedral. And in a way, with their imagination, walk right into that image. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, it engages the religious imagination. Uh, for me, I think the idea of, you know, meditating on a piece of art, usually, you know, when you're in meditation, uh, you know, it's like they always say, put yourself in the place that you're you're thinking mm-hmm. of. And it's, I have a real hard time with that. But with a piece of art, it's like, okay, my work is done, at least on that aspect, you know, because That's right. there it is. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, for example, one of the paintings in the book is called The Dream of St. Joseph by Luca Giordano. And it's a wonderful image where you see St. Joseph on the right side, you see Mary at her Annunciation, and you can put yourself in this painting and see yourself as imagining that you're in the home of Nazareth. And what was it like for Joseph to hear this word of the angel saying, go, take Mary to be your wife, take Mary and the baby Jesus to, to and flee to Egypt. You can see yourself in this painting. There's space. And usually these artists are so brilliant in the way they create a space for the viewer to actually be in the painting. Um, and, and you can then enter into the mystery of this uh, revelation of God in, in uh, that we read about in Scripture. Okay, Jim, we've just come up on a break. We're talking with Jem Sullivan about her book, Sacred Art Every Catholic Should Know, and we're going to have more of our discussion on the other side of the break, so stay with us for more Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. 
Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. UMary.edu. That's UMary.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to the second half of our first half hour of Real Presence Live on this October 2nd, 2023. And we're talking with Jem Sullivan, who has a book out called Sacred Art Every Catholic Should Know. And we are giving away a free copy of it. And I don't know if anybody has called in yet or not. I'm not getting any communication from the switchboard. But if you dial 877-795-0122, and if it has not already been uh, taken up, uh, this will be your chance. If it is taken up, well, you'll just have a chance to visit with uh, Sebastian, who's a very nice young man who answers the phone and does all sorts of other important work for us here. But, Jim, welcome back to this uh, next uh, the second half of the segment. And Thank you once again for having me. Sure. And I think, um, well, I guess one of the questions that we have here is what is the place of the arts in the church's proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ today? Yes, you know, that's an excellent question. And I would begin with the catechism. Again, the catechism saying that beauty is the visible form of truth and goodness. There has never been a time in the church's 2,000-year-old history that we do not have some expression of sacred art. So if you think about it, from the catacombs of ancient Rome to the great Byzantine basilicas of the 4th and 5th century, to the Gothic cathedrals of the 12th and 13th century, into the Renaissance, that great flowering of Christian art, all the way into the Baroque and beyond, we see that there's never been a time when we do not have beautiful masterpieces of sacred art. And what that tells us is that this was a means of catechesis and evangelization. So I would say that that's the place of the arts, is actually to not only 
create beauty in the world, bring beauty through our beautiful churches and chapels, uh, but to also communicate the faith in visual and auditory forms. Um, there has never been an, a time in the church's history when we do not have some examples of these beautiful masterpieces of sacred art. And this book uh, is an attempt to gather some of those, about 50 of those masterpieces, into that. As I mentioned, the, the great masterpieces of art were always uh, a way for, for, for the viewers to, to not only see something beautiful, but to be entering into the mysteries of faith being presented. And so the pilgrims who came to Chartres Cathedral, for example, uh, they would read, so to speak, on the walls of the church, of the cathedral, but they could not read on the pages of Scripture. If you remember, in the Middle Ages, most of the people were illiterate. They could not read um, uh, uh, Scripture. So they were able to read on the walls of the cathedral what they could not read in the pages of the Bible. And so the artists who created works of sacred art were taking visible materials from the created world, so words and sounds and paint and pigment and stone and stick, clay, marble, and through their skill, artistic skill and creativity, were making the invisible realities of faith visible to our senses, right? And to lead us as the viewer from what is visible to what is invisible. And so the, the value, the place of the arts in the church was to always kind of lead us in this direction, through what is beautiful, to travel on the way of beauty, uh, and through that to be uh, finding some access or, or encounter with God. Um, because what happens is sacred art then has a catechetical value. It has evangelization. Uh, it, it is a means of evangelization because it is a distinct form of coming to know God. Right? It leads us on the way of beauty from seeing to contemplation, and from contemplation to adoration and praise and worship of God. So when the artists were commissioned to um, and you, uh, to do paintings in, in cathedrals or at stained glass, uh, were they, I'm sure, a, you know, a sort of catechesis happened while they were doing their work, but were they catechized in preparation for the work, do you know? Or I suppose it varies according to the artist. But no, that's that's really an interesting question, right? I mean, in preparation for that, in the Eastern Christian traditions, the traditions of Eastern Christianity, the icon painters, uh, before they actually painted an icon, they had to spend time in prayer and fasting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just I'm doing something because I'm skilled and I'm gifted as an artist and I can paint beautiful you know, uh, icons, but I have to now prepare myself spiritually in order to communicate something of the mystery of faith through this icon. So in the East, in, in the traditions of Eastern Christianity, um, the icon painter is, is actually um, is seen as a kind of a theologian, if you will, right? Um, not only just painting, but actually communicating something of uh, revelation, divine revelation. And so Prayer and fasting was needed to do that. Now, I think in the Western tradition, we don't have that as much, but there was definitely a sense in which the artist had to be someone who was understanding, at least, um, what they were communicating, what they were painting, um, and, and, and maybe reading the scriptures uh, related to that particular painting, um, meditating upon it, 
uh, as they attempted to depict it in visual form. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. You know, when you think of these cathedrals, you know, and you think of the beautiful art that's in them, and then you throw in some of the music, you know, if what, mm-hmm. a, what an event, uh, a, the, you know, a solemn high mass must have been to that's have right. all of this, you know, all of your senses kind of just, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say assaulted because that kind of has a negative connotation to it, but what, what a wonderful uh, experience it must have been. And free. And- yeah, Jack, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the whole point of these works of a sacred art. We tend to think of them mostly as, oh, they made everything look beautiful. Well, yes, they did. <laughs> there was an aesthetic value. They, 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 they created a beautiful space in the church. But really the more fundamental uh, purpose of these works of art was to lift us up. I would say that's what it is. All of the beautiful sacred music. Uh, the painting, the mosaic, the stained glass windows, uh, the beautiful uh, chanting of the choir, all of that is meant to help the faithful be lifted up. Because remember, in the liturgy, what do we say? We say that the earthly liturgy is a participation in the heavenly liturgy. Mm. That's what we believe as Catholics. But when we go to Mass, we are now inserted into, we're lifted up into the divine liturgy, the, the praise of God that takes place in the presence of God, in the company of Mary, in the, the, the angels and the saints, um, all of that. We are now participating through our worship here on earth. We are participating in that heavenly liturgy. And should not we then have beautiful music and beautiful art and beautiful architecture to help us to be in that heaven, in, in, in a sense, through our participation here on earth in the Eucharist, we are participating in, uh, we are practicing for the feast of heaven, for that liturgy of heaven. Thank you, Jim. That is beautiful. What is your desire for any person who would pick up your book, Sacred Heart? What is your desire for those people that would receive your book? You know, I think what I would like is for a, a, a reader to take this book and to use it as kind of a pilgrimage of beauty, like without leaving the comfort of your home, your couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go on a, a, a pilgrimage of beauty through these works of art. As you look at each painting and reflect on it through the meditation that's provided, the reflection that's provided, um, just use that as a means to uh, go deeper into your faith because each one of these paintings is really revealing something of the mystery of God who is love. Uh, God who leads us, uh, something of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the lives of the saints uh, who are God's masterpieces, of the biblical stories that are depicted in these works of art. Um, so what I hope the reader will take away from this book is to experience the beauty of the Catholic faith itself um, through the beauty of these masterpieces of sacred art. Wonderful. I don't know if reader is the right term for this book. I think it's more of an experiencer because, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, you know, just because of the, the beauty of the art, you know, which, you know, really kind of dominates, you know, the pages, I think. And, uh, yeah. you know, and the, it's kind of like the... Uh, you know, reading is, you know, just a part of it, the experience, I think. That's exactly right, Jack, and you're, you're right. It's, the book is meant to, you know, on the one hand, you're reading the, the, the meditations, you're looking at the works of art, but it's really a, um, an activity of contemplation 
And at the end of the day, what we want is that the reader is to be led to prayer, to worship, to adoration, to praise and worship of God. We only have a couple of minutes left, and I'm going to ask you what might, what might be a very an unfair question. <laughs> of all the works in your book, which one is? Do, can you identify a favorite? You know that's really a tough one, and I have to say I'm torn uh, between so many of them. But I will say one. I'll just land on one. Uh, it's Christ in the House of Martha and Mary, Johannes Vermeer. It's just a stunning, stunning painting. Uh, that helps us to understand how we are to be like Martha and Mary. We are to become the friends of Jesus. That's how they're described in the Gospels. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are described as the friends of Jesus. And isn't that the invitation of the whole Christian life, right? Mm. To become a friend of Jesus. So that's painting really, as you see, Mary is sitting, sitting at, uh, seated at Jesus' feet, listening to him, and Martha is busy serving him. At the center of the painting, you see a table with um, a loaf of bread. This is a Eucharistic reference. This is pointing us to the Eucharist. And it's that's where we are become the friend of Jesus, as we receive his body and blood and become Jesus to the world. What a beautiful example of a, actually a contemplation on a work of art, just what you shared with us now about what happened, you know, uh, the one that you're most drawn to or... One of them that you're drawn to. Right. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, Jim, I, I wish we could continue our discussion because I really like talking about, you know, art and, you know, just kind of the humanities in general. But as all good things must come to an end and the, the time is not our friend, uh, we're coming up to a break. And for our listeners, stay, stay with us. We'll be talking about... Uh, the Blessed Carlo Acutis Eucharistic Miracles exhibit. But again, Jem, we want to thank you, Jem Sullivan, for being with us today and sharing your book, Sacred Art. Every Catholic should know. Every Catholic should know. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be more Real Presence Live on the other side of the break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. The American Academy of Optometry recommends that all children receive eye exams every two years, beginning at six months old. As one of North Dakota's only fellowship-certified pediatric optometrists, it is my mission to ensure that children are screened for preventable eye conditions like lazy eyes, cataracts, and eye turns. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for children and adults, and you don't need vision insurance to book an appointment. You can schedule your appointment online at www.lumen.com. Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Acts 1-8, Jesus tells the disciples to go back to Jerusalem. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The word translated as power is also the root for our word for dynamite. Jesus is promising an explosive power that will enable us to witness to the nations and live a powerful Christian life. That same powerful Holy Spirit is received in baptism and confirmation. As baptized and confirmed Catholics, we already have all we need to live life through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
if we remove the obstacles of our own understanding and lack of preparation and move with the Holy Spirit into the mission He has given us, we will change the world. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. As you think about your future, there is one more thing you can do to add certainty to your life. Write or update your will and estate plan. If you pass away without a plan, all you have worked for in life, financially and emotionally, will be decided and divided by someone you may have never met before. We have some tools to help you in your planning. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call Mike at 701-290-4503. 